Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome back. This is the seventh I Thirst follow-up here with Father Jacob. Today's topic will be sacred scripture or holy scripture. We must understand scripture as it is given by God, and this is Catholic. We must have this idea that scripture must be interpreted as the saints interpreted scripture. Because interpretation of scripture cannot be our own personal thing. This is what it says in the Bible, that we cannot interpret it in our own way, but as God wishes it to be interpreted. Our mind is so small and so puny, we cannot think that our mind is going to be able to grasp the wisdom of God that was inspired by the Holy Ghost in sacred scripture. And so we have to be humble and we have to see that sacred scripture, whatever its interpretation, is always going to be the truth and is always never going to err, and that here it's always going to be in the mindset of the saints. So we have to clear away these mistakes that people have about the Bible. First, that the Bible has mistakes, that here the Bible can make mistakes. This is false, 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 false. We have to know that the Bible is pure truth. And we have to approach the Bible that if it looks like there's a contradiction or it looks like there's a mistake, that we have to be humble enough to say, I'm not God and God gave me this and there is a way to explain this difficulty. This is the way that St. Augustine approached scripture. This is the way that St. Thomas approached scripture. And we can never, ever say that scripture is wrong. So, for example, a very, very important thing that people don't like about scripture is, for example, they say in Genesis, you know, how can it be that God created everything in six days? How can this be? This is wrong. And, you know, therefore, this is an outdated way to say this. And therefore, here, we got to, you know, move up to the Big Bang Theory, you know. And this is, again, not having any humility. And we must see that God always describes things in the best way possible. And so, St. Augustine, he shows us that when God is saying that he created everything in six days. The word day, we have to really see what it means because it wasn't on the first day that God created the sun. And so the sun here in the world today is what determines a physical day in our time. So if the sun is not created until later, then we know that 
day in Genesis means something radically different than what we mean by 24 hours. And so if you're going to try to describe how the world is created to regular people, you know, God is really, really smart. He is the smartest, obviously. He is omniscient. He's going to use the best language in order to help our minds understand and then also make us really dig for the truth and show us that day is such a deep and powerful word. And then, for example, you'll notice that first he says, let there be light, right? And then he separates the light from the darkness. And St. Augustine says here, in the separation of light and darkness, what this is, is actually angels, right? So the creation of light is really the creation of angels. And the separation of the light and the darkness is when the fallen angels, they did not pass the test. And so the light here is the angels. Then you have something very odd. You have the morning passed and then evening came and then it was the next day, right? And so here we see that the morning knowledge and the evening knowledge, it's not regular. You know, here it's very, very odd. And so here St. Augustine explains what that means by saying that the morning knowledge is like the knowledge of Christ. This is the knowledge of the resurrection, you know. And then the evening knowledge is kind of the knowledge of contemplation because usually in the evening knowledge, we are in the evening kind of resting. And so you see that Genesis uses all of these words, morning, evening, day, light, darkness, in a really deep way. Another thing, for example, in Genesis that people will say is like, there's a talking snake, right? And they'll say, this is impossible. This is all a myth. And so Genesis is really a myth. It really doesn't tell us what happened, you know? And here, it's very possible that we have Satan, who is a pure angelic creature. Remember, light already has been separated from darkness. And so the angels have already fallen. So Satan is already there. He has been allowed access into the garden. And then we see that the angels, because they're pure matter, they can shape matter, right? So they are pure spirit, right? And then they can shape that matter however they want to. And so we see that they can use that matter as a sort of puppet. And so they can actually make that snake um, and then make it look like a snake, and then they can make that snake uh, appear to speak. So, for example, in the book of Exodus, right, the magicians of Pharaoh were able to make the staves into snakes, but not real live snakes, right? These were just things that were like using perhaps some kind of atom formation so that the snakes could look like they move, right? And so here, the spirits, they can move different objects together and form like a puppet or something like that. So it's very possible, um, according to here St. Thomas, that the angels can move different things in order to make it appear like a real thing. And so these are just examples where, again, if there's something difficult to understand in the Bible, 
all that we have to do is go to the saints to try to see how they interpreted it and see it because they're using all of their mind, all of their education in order to understand the Bible. We always have to approach the Bible with the deepest, deepest humility and the deepest, deepest love that here, if I don't understand it, it's okay. Then, here, after talking about the inerrancy of the Bible, that the Bible never makes a mistake, right, because it's written by God. Then we also see that the Bible can never change. We have to see, for example, people say that the Bible can change with time. You know, again, once again, here we see that the Bible speaks of eternal truth, and therefore we must see that the Bible will never change its message. Its message will be the same until the end of time. And thus we see that the Bible is pure and eternal truth. The next thing we have to dispose of is the Protestant idea of sola scriptura. And this is the idea that the only thing that we need for faith is scripture. That we don't need a pope, we don't need the magisterium of the church. All that we need is scripture and we can find everything that we need for the faith in the Bible. Nothing else. Now, there's a lot of ways to prove that this is wrong because the first and easiest way to show that you need something outside of Scripture in order to know Scripture is that how do you put all the different books of the Bible together? How do you even know which books are in the Bible? There's no table of contents that was written by St. Matthew, or there's no table of contents written by St. John, or there's no table of contents written by Moses. No author of each individual book, right? No author ever wrote the table of contents in the Bible. So where did we get the table of contents? Outside of the Bible. And how was that determined? by the church. And this is because the Holy Spirit, of course, was working in the church through the hierarchy, through the popes, bishops, etc. And then the canon of Holy Scripture was established. The canon is the list. Canon just means the established list, which of course is inspired by the Holy Ghost. This is the list of which books are in the Bible. And then, of course, if you're not on that list, sorry, you're not in the Bible, right? And so, this canon of Scripture, right, the sacred canon of Holy Scripture, is not determined by sacred Scripture. It's by an outside source, that is, by the teaching office of the Church. This is the magisterium. Magister, in Latin, means teacher. So, the magisterium is the teaching office of the Church. And this is the office which determines, then, and sees, because it's inspired by God, the canon of Holy Scripture. So not everything is in the Bible. This is very important to realize. There are other things that we cannot see in the Bible explicitly. For example, infant baptism. These are This practice of baptizing babies actually is not in the Bible. You can infer it in some places, but it's not directly clear. And so where do we get that practice? It's because it was handed down from the early church. They baptized babies from the beginning. And so this is how we have this practice of infant baptism. And so there is oral tradition, and then there is written tradition. So the oral tradition, for example, how do we know that there's infant baptism? How can I baptize my baby? Here, it's because the saints did it from the very beginning. The church did it from the very beginning. That's why we have this passed down. 
Thus, we know that there is oral tradition that we have to take, or the tradition of what is the canon of Scripture. So we have oral tradition, and then written tradition. The written tradition is going to be the Bible. That's written, written, written. Then, of course, we have also the fonts of holy wisdom, the fonts of truth, and those are twofold, sacred scripture and then sacred tradition. Okay. Sacred tradition is again going to have all those things which are actually not in sacred scripture. And so this can come down by word of mouth or it also can uh, be written by uh, different popes or councils and then these things are handed down. So we see that sola scriptura, that is only the Bible, is not good. Right? This is a fallacy, it's actually a heresy. Here we must see that we need something else besides sacred scripture. For example, when Jesus was alive on this earth walking before his resurrection, was there sacred scripture, right? Not the full thing, right? There were the books of the Old Testament, but the whole sacred scripture was not in one unit yet. Right? Jesus was still speaking and people were remembering and later on it was written down. And so at that time, right, what did you need? You needed the word of Christ, which was handed down by the apostles, what they heard and listened to. So again, sola scriptura is wrong. We can't have that. The next thing we must also think about is we cannot approach the study of the Bible in a Protestant way where we say, oh, this is how I feel about this passage. Usually this is what people do when they go to Bible study. They're like, how does this passage affect me? You know, what does it mean in my life? You know, here there's some good things to that. You need to see that the Bible does affect our lives and it does apply to our lives. However, this makes the Bible really just kind of subject to our personal way of looking or personal way of feeling. It becomes very subjective. And so then the Bible becomes a very subjective book. And then eventually what's the consequence of that is that people can twist the Bible in every way, any way that they want to, which is not what our Lord wants. He wants the Bible to be in a specific way, which is the truth. Right? And so we have to see that when we read the Bible, we always have to read it as the saints did and in the tradition of the saints. For example, in the Gospels, we have to read it as St. Thomas does. He wrote a beautiful, beautiful commentary line by line about the Gospels, and he called this the Catena Aurea. And in the Catena Aurea, what he does is he just links together all of the quotations of the fathers, and Catena means chain. So he just links and links and links and links and links all of the quotations of the fathers about each line of the Gospels. It's really amazing. It shows you that St. Thomas had a photographic memory because he remembered everything. And so he remembered all those things. He linked them together. A beautiful, beautiful explanation. So amazing about what each miracle means and what it signifies and why Christ gives this miracle. The order of scripture is just really fantastic. Some of the most amazing works that we have by St. Thomas is his commentary on sacred scripture. And so here we have all of this tradition given to us. How St. Augustine, St. Jerome, St. Thomas, how Saint, um, all the saints after them, right? They just interpreted scripture and it's just filled with such 
um, depth and such profundity, we have such an expanse that, you know, here if we literally think like, oh, this is the way I feel about scripture, just really me, like little me, little me. But then we have this huge expanse of these spiritual giants who speak to us about the meaning of sacred scripture and what it means and how it's to be interpreted. This is how we really should approach sacred scripture. And thus, when we approach, again, sacred scripture, the most important thing to do is to read it. And every time we read sacred scripture, to read it in humility and love. And as St. Norbert teaches us, or my Holy Father, as St. Norbert teaches us, when we read sacred scripture and we read it with divine love, that is the theological virtue of charity, then it burns our sins away. This is really beautiful. And here we see that obviously only confession takes away mortal sin. But St. Norbert says that when we have that charity in our heart and we read sacred scripture, all of our sins and our imperfections, they begin to be burned away by that beautiful love. And so here we have to really read sacred scripture, take it into our souls and our mind, let it form us. We just spend so much time on our phones and entertaining ourselves. And here we have to really see that we've got to fill our minds with sacred scripture. And then, of course, the way that the saints taught us to understand sacred scripture. There's just so much in sacred scripture and so many gems in sacred scripture that we have to really be disciplined about it. We have to read sacred scripture every single day and read the commentaries if we can. It's very easy. You just type in Catena Aria. That is C-A-T-E-N-A. Katena and then Aurea, which means golden, A-U-R-E-A, Katena Aurea. You find that on the internet and just go line by line and you can just get it. You can order online that book. And this is a beautiful way. So if you want a gorgeous Bible study, just do the Katena Aurea together and read it line by line and you will just just be amazed of how accessible it is, how readable it is, and just how brilliant it is. So, let's read the Bible like the saints do. Amen. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.